You're listening to the Manchester Vineyard Podcast. We'd love for you to join us. To discover more about who we are, where we meet, and how you can connect with us, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. Two things start. Firstly, uh, next Sunday morning we're not here. Uh, because of the carol service in the afternoon, so um, we've we've shifted things for that. The second one is, uh, some of you may have noticed Steph isn't here. Uh, she's having a migraine. Um, people have migraines. Our doctor finds it fascinating that we seem to always have things on a Saturday night or a Sunday, so, hey, it's interesting. Uh, partly what I'm going to speak on this morning, but I just want to start a new series today uh, in the full awareness that with the carol service and the family gathering, this is the last Sunday before Christmas. Uh, there's so much about to happen with all of those things. I'd encourage you to come, invite friends. It's going to be brilliant. Then we'll have a couple of weeks break over Christmas. Uh, the school like to have a break. It's also, I think, as a, as a new church plan, it's nice for us to have a break. Often, if you're new here, you may see um, like an adult as a church. I'd say we're a child in adults' clothing. Um, there's so much behind the scenes, the infrastructure that means it's really helpful that we we have a little break. But I say all of that because it may seem to you a little odd that I'm starting a new series just before we're about then not to be together in this setting for a number of weeks. And I want to do it because I want to set us up for quite intentionally for the new year. I feel like it's an obvious thing to say that the Lord is doing something quite remarkable among us and I want to fully position ourselves for that. So let me just read to you if you have a Bible you want to turn with me to 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14. A number of you will be very very familiar with this passage but it says this, then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. For I have chosen this temple and set it apart to be holy, a place where my name will be honoured forever. I will always watch over it, for it is dear to my heart. The context of this passage is that it's from the Old Testament part of the Bible. It's a passage in which God appears to King Solomon after the completion and the construction of the temple in Jerusalem. And this verse is often cited of one that is a call to prayer and a call to repentance. And it emphasizes something of a desire and a longing for humility and seeking God and and turning away from sin and it's kind of seen as a promise that from God that if his people will turn to him in humility and repentance he will hear their prayers he will forgive their sins and he'll bring healing to their land and the broader context of that passage specifically is that this verse is about the dedication of the temple in Jerusalem and God's response to Solomon's prayer of dedication and the, the passage kind of speaks of some of the conditions under which God promises to hear and respond to the prayers of his people. And I believe as a church that I see how hungry and desperate you are for the things of God. And um, I then also, just a couple of weeks ago, a number of us were at Cause to Live for a national conference for young adults, and I saw the hunger and desperation of that generation 
for repentance and consecration. And then this week I was down in London and joined um, the, the kind of the heads of, or the overseers of church planting in numerous different streams and networks. There's about 27 different streams rec, uh, represented. And I could see the hunger and the desperation in this moment in time for consecration and repentance. And I see it in the wider vineyard. And I guess what I want to lean us into, if I can, is to fully position ourselves for all that I believe God has for us. And that's going to be found and that's going to be formed in humbling ourselves and praying and seeking his face and turning from our wicked ways. And um, <clears throat> we, were, we were probably doing okay with that, I would, I would say, until I said wicked ways. Don't you think? The, the rest of it sounded quite nice and fun, but wicked ways? Like, aren't we quite a nice bunch of people and we get on well and we don't have wicked ways can I just tell you a little story um this story was somehow always going to make it into a talk but if you're new in the room you may be like hmm how did I end up part of this story because it's not that pretty but a couple of weeks ago um we went shoe shopping with our kids and I don't know how it happens that children's feet just grow so fast. It's almost frightening. We're in a cost of living crisis. Stop growing your feet. And uh, anyway, we did what you can now do with a click and collect, and you just like order tons of shoes, even though you know it's the wrong size, because then you don't have to go around and collect them all in the madness of the busyness of the shop. And so we're trying them all on, and we're just going to give back what doesn't fit. And I guess with Christmas, I hadn't fully thought through that even click and collect would be quite busy. And there's one sofa for sitting on, and there's about 10 people hovering around it. And somehow I've managed to negotiate one little corner of it for our daughter to perch on. And um, she's trying on the shoes, and there's almost the, like this ring of people around us hovering to wait for the sofa. And I was on my knees doing that very strange thing that you do with children when they're trying to work out if shoes fit or not. I don't know if you've never done it, but basically you've got no idea. You're like pressing and you can't work out if the toe's there or not. So you're just going to buy one and you may as well have just bought anyone. But anyway, I'm kneeling and Steph is stood at the side of me and she's getting like this aerial view of me, which is quite rare because I'm quite tall. And she says, um, oh, what's on your ear? And I, I didn't flinch at that because I'm you know, I've, it's often shaving foam or somehow it's blood. But um, we've had that scenario a number of times, so I don't flinch. Anyway, Steph's like going on about it and she's like, oh, it's dark and it's sticky. And it's not just on your ear, it's kind of in your ear. And, um, oh, and she's like, oh, it's on, it's on your coat. And um, now there's this like moment of almost commotion going on among us as a family and all the people around us are starting to engage with what's going on because it's becoming a thing and anyway the, as these things often do the whole room kind of just fell silent and it, everybody now can just perfectly hear our conversation and join in with our family discussion Steph's picking around with a bit of tissue as, as you do and then she declares and the results are in to me to our children and to the 10 of us and even the shop assistants that it is in fact bird poo and um, I know, somehow, walking from the car into the shop, this bird has dropped one on me, onto my coat, onto my ear, into my ear. And all of that without me even noticing on the journey. And the reflection we've had since is that somehow the bird's temperature of the deposit was at the same temperature as my body, that I didn't even notice the thing was, was, was kind of there. And... Um, 
I kind of just slightly need to end, a, end the story for your sake so that you can have some closure, but I scuttled off to the toilet and got my head in the smallest sink in the world in the disabled toilet and dealt with this thing pretty quickly. Um, but as part of being part of our family update of the last couple of weeks, there is a point, don't panic if you're new. I've, I think we often have stuff in our lives and it gets stuck on us and so often we don't even realise it and it really affects us and it affects how we see the world and some of it's our choosing and some of it isn't but it can trample all over us and sometimes we, we call it just the little thing that we do when we're hungry, we're angry, we're tired, we're lonely, whatever condition it is that we might find a way to slightly dial down the impact or the effect of it or make it feel slightly less significant. The, the, the selfishness and the self-centeredness that creeps in and leaks out and it gets not just on our ear, but it gets in our ear and it gets into our hearts and it affects the lens through which we see things and the Bible kind of refers to it as sin and this Old Testament passage refers to it as wicked ways and we kind of learn to live with it and we cover for it and we find excuses for it and we don't even realise that we're walking around with this wet, clingy bird poo in our ear that sticks to us and sets on us. And I, I don't want to go too far with the illustration, but part of me kind of does, because I want you to realise that sin chews us up and it destroys us and it starts to affect everything about us. It says this in 1 John 1 verse 8. If we claim to have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we're calling God a liar and showing that his world has, sorry, his word has no place in our hearts. I kind of offer you that verse again and mention wicked ways because I think we have wicked ways. And it's time that as Hebrews 12 verse 1 says that we strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. And we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. And if we can deal with our pride and if we can deal with our jealousy and if we can deal with our stubbornness and if we can deal with our selfishness and if we can deal with whatever it is that you know what it is or might be revealed to you what it is God kind of says this I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and restore their lands my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place for I have chosen this temple and set it apart to be holy a place where my name will be honored forever I will always watch over it, for it is dear to my heart. See, I long for us to see, to know, to experience, to be part of the fullness of all that God has for us. I, I mentioned before to some of you, I think, that whilst we were on our sabbatical over the summer, I had a number of times of, um, of, of repenting where I woke up repenting. I didn't even consciously enter into it. I, it'd just been happening whilst I was sleeping. It was quite a thing. 
And I guess not that we weren't before, but ever since I've just been trying to posture myself more before Jesus in a world that competes for our time and attention and affection. I, I just want Jesus and we find him through repentance and we find him through consecration and a commitment in that place to all that he has and all that he wants for us and at the start of this year one of you was um telling me I was just having a chat with you and you you were telling me that you 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 hold this little cross in your pocket and um I I went and got one and I've got one that I've had in my pocket ever since and I don't want to be religious I don't want to be formulaic but honestly I, I just love it every time I put my hand in my pocket I just recenter myself back on Jesus, back on his cross. And if my people, as his people, what are you going to do? What are we going to do to humble ourselves and to pray and to seek his face and to turn from our wicked ways? Because if we do, he will hear from heaven and forgive our sins and restore our land. His eyes will be open and ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. I Honestly, I long for it. I think we see glimpses of it, but I long for more. Cause to Live For was, was so special. I've, I've heard many, many life-changing stories. Honestly, many people will be different. I, I'm not trying to overcook or over-exaggerate this in any way, but I would say our country will be different because of that weekend. Marriages, relationships, churches, obedience, healing, faith sharing, risk taking, so, so many, and we could go on. And I would say as well, here in this dear church, we're seeing lives transformed, salvation, healing, and repentance. But, but what if we went after it more so? I, I love what we're seeing. I love what we have the joy of being part of. But what if we went after it more so? What if intentionally we humbled ourselves before the Lord? I wanted to say all of this before the start of the year, before the start of 2024, because this, what if this was the year that you intentionally or more intentionally read your Bible or you journaled or you started a prayer diary? I know we're busy people. I know we live in a busy society, but I want to get to the end of my days and I want to have lived with purpose rather than just shadow boxing. I want to live with purpose in every step. I've, I, I try and read personally. I try and read a chapter at least every day. I, um, if, if I don't know him, how am I going to follow him? How am I going to show him? How am I going to know that I need to be changed? I don't know if it's helpful to say, but I use a little app. It's called um, Reading Plan on that app. There's, there's hundreds of different variations of plans that you can do. There's five-day ones that give you a couple of days margins. There's one on the Old Testament, the New Testament. There's ones where you can focus in on certain elements of the Bible and Paul's letters or the Psalms or whatever it is. I, I'm not necessarily saying, hey, do that or do what I do, but I do want to say this, do something and do something more than you are doing. Because at the start of last year, I started intentionally journaling. I wanted to take something slightly more from it than I was from just reading it. I wanted to ponder it and sit in it. And honestly, I would say it's been life-giving to me. And again, I'm not saying do what I do, and I'm not saying feel condemned for what you don't do, but I do want to say do something more than you are doing. 
Find ways and create rhythms for it. Get up at certain times of the day, buy a new Bible, buy a Bible. Honestly, if you read the Bible on your phone, I really want to encourage you to get a paper version. Uh, I realize if you have young kids, actually doing it on your phone is often easier. You're reading it in the gaps of life. You're reading it often maybe in the middle of the night. You're trying to do it whilst they're climbing on your head. Uh, we, had a, we had to get a new Bible as our kids grew up because they'd eaten parts of it. I'm like, eat the word of the Lord is taken to a, like a new level. But I, I get it. Again, this isn't condemnation. This isn't, hey, you're failing. This is, hey, will you step into more of intentionally seeking his face. This last week, I had a dream, and in my dream, I was worshipping Jesus. I've never done that before. Honestly, it was, it was phenomenal. I've suddenly realized I don't want to just worship Jesus when I'm awake. I want to worship him when, when, I'm, when I'm asleep. And then a few days later, I had another dream. And um, after that dream, sorry, in that dream, some of the saints were praying for me and ministering to me. Again, it was phenomenal. And I'm praying that you have an increase in God dreams and God sleep and that you worship Jesus even in your sleep. For those of you that are thinking, ooh, look at, look at you. You know, I, I know, some of you will be thinking that. I've been there. Um, I think one thing that can deter us is others thinking that and not wanting to jump in. I'm, I'm not saying look at me. I'm saying look at Jesus. Honestly, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face, I, I want to be really honest with you. I'm changing really quite significantly at the minute. I'm not who I was. I'm not who I meant to be, but I'm, 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 I'm trying to become more like Jesus. And you honestly, you will get frustrated, you will get irritated, you will get jealous, you will get grumpy, you will get cynical, and many other things if you don't posture yourself for growth. I'm, I'm not saying if every word of the Bible doesn't jump out at you, and if you go through hard seasons and dry seasons, you're not growing. And honestly, oh my goodness me, it's not about creating mountaintop experiences. It's often best formed and carved out in the depths of the valleys and in the trenches. You know, we've often seen it for Steph and I in the wider church. It feels like some of you guys are in a summertime and we've often found ourselves personally in a wintertime, right in the depths of pain and heartache and cost and unanswered prayer and unmet dreams and hopes. But I've, I've said it many times on many occasions in those seasons as once we heard Charles Spurgeon so wonderfully and aptly encouragers he said I've learned to kiss the wave that crushes me against the rock of ages you know would it be in our pain in our heartache that we humble ourselves and we pray and we seek his face because he's always enough smooth seas don't make skillful sailors Steph so often says to me if we're going to go through it let's get every last drop out of it you know it can be so easy to have seasons of excitement where we push in and you know there's there's honestly, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just trying to make sure I don't have these troughs that go alongside it. I'm fighting for consistency to always be on an upward trajectory to create sustainable rhythms and environments where we're growing in Christ-likeness. Sometimes I think we have to force ourselves to go where we want to go. I'm often aware that I'm, I'm my own ceiling. You know, it's me that stops me from being who and where I could be. I could blame the church. I could blame someone else. I could 
blame my small group. They don't give me this. Ultimately, it comes down to me to lead myself and then place myself in environments of growth and to fuel and to serve others. I want to say to you, whatever the season, would it be that we want to be a people that posture ourselves? Seek in the face of the Lord. Hungry and desperate. Jesus is the solution. We're not the solution. We see it loads. I'm, I'm struggling with this. Can you help me with this? And we turn to whoever it might be. We turn to a small group leader or we turn to a friend. And honestly, I'm not encouraging that. And we sang it this morning. We run with the saints. We run with people who champion and cheer us on. And it's right and it's healthy that we do this alongside people. We have people. We have leaders who speak into our lives and help form us and shape us. But we do that in the awareness that first and foremost, we turn to Jesus. So often, Steph and I, even in our conversations, I'm like, before you tell me that, have you told Jesus that? Have you sought him for that? Take it to him. Be hungry for him. Be seen by him. He's always the solution, regardless of the question that you're asking. We've seen more and more and more over these last few years as a church that the more we've decided not to settle as individuals not to settle where things are or what we're seeing, we start to see breakthrough. Because we can so easily learn to live with the accumulation of the bird poo, you know? Or we can say, hang on a minute, we're kingdom people and we believe that the kingdom can break in at any point. Smith Wigglesworth, a guy born in the 1800s, a British evangelist, he saw some of the most remarkable things. You read his journals, it's, it's incredible. He said this, the reason the world is not seeing Jesus is that the Christian people are not filled with Jesus. They're satisfied with attending weekly meetings, reading the Bible occasionally, and praying sometimes. It's an awful thing for me to see people who profess to be Christians lifeless, powerless, and in a place where their lives are so parallel to unbelievers that it is difficult to tell which place they're in, whether they're in a place of flesh or a place of the spirit. And I, I know, I, I read it, and you probably feel like, oh, I was like, Whoa. that's a bit brutal. It kind of lacks this pastoral softness, but man alive, that guy saw some stuff. And I heed his warning. I hear what he's saying. And I know... It would be costly. He also said, but before God could bring me to this place, that of working miracles, he had to break me a thousand times. Until God has mowed you down, you will never see this long-suffering compassion for others. We have to be a people that learn to kiss the wave that crushes us against the rock of ages. And I know for many of you right now, it's hard. If we're going to see the Lord move in power in this city and this church, there will be some bird poo. Sorry if you're just walking in, you're like, what's this going on about? There's this, this, this personal accumulation. You know, stuff that affects health and circumstances and relationships and many other things. Because ultimately, the enemy's role is to kill and destroy. And if he can't kill and destroy, he'll distract and he'll dilute. But the good news is 1 John 3 verse 8, Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy. But we have to use our weapons. We have to stand firm. We have to stand firm. And we have to stand firm. John 
Piper, a guy many of you will be familiar with. Um, he's an American theologian. He probably takes a slightly more conservative view than a number of us would in the vineyard. But I recently read, he said this, and I say that intentionally, that he'd have a more conservative view. But he says, probably the number one reason why prayer malfunctions in the hands of believers is that we try to turn wartime walkie-talkies into a domestic intercom. Until you know that life is war, you cannot know that prayer, what prayer is for. But what have millions of Christians done? We've stopped believing that we're in a war. There's no urgency, there's no watching, there's no vigilance, and there's no strategic planning. It's just easy peace and prosperity. And what did we do with the walkie-talkies? We tried to rig it up as an intercom in our houses, not to call in the firepower for conflict with a mortal enemy, but to ask for more comforts in the den. Honestly, this, this is where I want to go with this series. We've got to use, and we've got to learn to use, our firepower. So what are we going to do? Well, um, I, I just want to encourage us to press in. Firstly, I want to say this. I want to stir it. Even by talking about this today, I want to stir a hunger and a desperation for prayer, for Bible reading, for intentionally looking at our lives and creating healthy rhythms, to realize that we're in a war, to stop walking around like civilians in a time of conflict. And, and, and we've got to do this alongside other people. Honestly, we talk about it all the time, but if you're not in a small group, I want to do everything within me to encourage you to be in one, or if you can't be in one because of circumstances, find environments where you're going to be around people. We run with the saints. We have to. As we get picked off, you cannot do this alone. We're formed and we're shaped and we're discipled alongside others, and we in turn form and shape and disciple others in that process. Now, that's not always easy. I know it's not. Honestly, I know most of you need grace because of me. Like it's, it is hard to do life alongside other people because we bring our own stuff. Hopefully our own stuff starts to reduce because we're growing and we're becoming more like Jesus. And if we don't grow, we get frustrated and we get frustrated with everyone else. And everyone else actually gets frustrated with us because we keep bringing our stuff. But everyone is having to have grace for each other because of us. But that works if we're growing. I want to stir in you this hunger and desperation. That's probably the first thing. The second is this, that we would have intentional, targeted prayer and fasting. The first week back after Christmas, we're going to look at um, fasting. And that's, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, it's not like an alternative way of recovering from Christmas and not going <laughs> to the gym. Um, but it's, it's, it's kind of actually a feasting on God. It's creating space to feast on God. I'm, I'm delighted to say uh, there's also a new, the, the, some of the women are creating this women's fitness thing that's going to be going on at 422. So if you need that also as an opportunity, that's, that's a great thing to be part of and you'll hear more about it and keep an eye out. Another amazing way actually just to invite the community and friends and colleagues into the be part of the community that we're in. But we need to target prayer. And we need to increase the rhythm of it in our lives. This week I was reading 2 Kings 13. It's a book in the Old Testament. It's a part of the Bible that talks us through the rise and the fall of various kings. And um, 
the overall spiritual condition of Israel is kind of considered. And it is a passage that gives us insight into the ongoing struggle between the worship of God and the influence of foreign gods and idols. And um, verse 14, we find that Elijah is, is kind of on his deathbed. And one of the kings comes to him and Elijah instructs him to take a bow and arrow and fire the arrow out of the window. And he says that the arrow kind of symbolized the victory of the Lord against the nation that was opposing them. And he um, then asks him to strike some of the arrows against the ground. I'll just read it to you. It says, um, 2 Kings 13, verse 15, it says, Elijah told him, get a bow and some arrows. And the king did as he was told. Elijah told him, put your hand on the bow. And Elijah laid his own hands on the king's hands. Then he commanded him, open that eastern window, and he opened it. Then he said, shoot. So he shot an arrow. Elisha proclaimed, this is the Lord's arrow, an arrow of victory over Aram, for you will completely conquer the Aramines at Aphek. Then he said, now pick up the other arrows and strike them against the ground. So the king picked them up and struck the ground three times. It's, it's kind of a, actually an amazing chapter in Two Kings. But it, what, I guess what was going on was this symbolic act and the meaning and the context of it was to be a symbol of God's power and the importance of faith and the importance of obedience. And this almost symbolic act of striking the ground with these arrows was meant to symbolize the king's willingness to engage with a battle against Israel's enemies. And it was almost this symbolism and demonstration of his faith in God's ability to bring about victory. Honestly, in this moment we're in, I think we can learn so much from this. I want to encourage us to very intentionally and very specifically fire some targeted arrows. I want us to stand in the place of knowing that we can't do anything in our own strength. But if we humble ourselves and we pray and we seek his face and we turn from our wicked ways, he hears. And I think we should do something about that. And I think we should step into that. So at the start of the year, we're, um, you can find it. It'll be all over the website and the app fairly soon. But if you go to mv.org um, forward slash fast, you can sign up for a day at any point in January to, to fast. We'd love to cover every day throughout January of somebody in this community intentionally fasting. You can sign up for as many days as you like. I realize you're not going to want to do the whole of January. Um, also, you will remember um, a number of years ago, we did a thing that we called eight at eight. Could you pray uh, at eight in the morning or eight in the evening? And could you pray for eight minutes? Now, of course, you don't have to pray for eight minutes. And of course, you don't have to pray at eight or Eight, but I want to encourage us to find rhythms and create rhythms to do more than we're doing. Could we create rhythms of intentional prayer in our lives? We asked last Monday uh, on top of the intercession that David leads here, uh, we asked a number of people to pray for Steph and I every day for two minutes and they almost created a rotor to do it. Is it a coincidence on the back of that that I've started worshipping Jesus and been ministered to in my dreams? I, I don't think so. I think 
Prayer changes things, and we want to intentionally shoot some arrows. Uh, when, when we last did it, we intentionally created this little list of um, things where the, the first letter of each spelt the word Manchester. You can find some on the seats. We've slightly tweaked it, but it, if, if you can't find it on your seat, it says this, miracles, alpha, new building, church planting, healthy relationships, empowering leaders, small groups, the poor, encountering Jesus, and raising a generation. Hopefully... That spells Manchester. I'm dyslexic, so it might not. But um, I hope that's helpful for you as we, as a community, start intentionally firing some arrows. That will be on the website and various other places. Um, I, I want to encourage you, if I can, to set an alarm for it. Create the rhythm. Involve others. Pray in small groups. Involve your children. Um, we used a list very similar to this one. Last time, we've just slightly tweaked it, but I just want to remind us of the previous list because it did have miracles on it. And I would say, honestly, I'm longing for more, but we've seen some remarkable stuff. A number of you have been part of seeing some remarkable stuff. Wouldn't that be because it was birthed in prayer? The previous list had on it child poverty, and we're deeply passionate about it. Uh, we've actually included that more broadly under the under the list of the poor but wouldn't you say in so many ways uh since praying 422 has become a thing and in so many ways that place and space has been used to reach into child poverty i'm so grateful and thankful for the prayers that have got us to this point but the the, the one I really want to mention that was on the old list was this thing called 10,000 Homes. On the previous list, we committed to, as a church, praying for the 10,000 homes around this area. And as part of that, we committed to pushing something through each and every letterbox of those 10,000 homes, almost as a symbolic way of saying, we're praying for these people and over that neighbourhood. Now, wouldn't you say that prayer was the foundation for the growth of this church plant. And as we stepped into praying for this area, the Lord has opened some doors beyond human explanation. The favour and the resources that have come about in 422 is quite remarkable. Wouldn't you say that the foundation and the birthing of that was through prayer, all that has become, and we pray for more in the days ahead. But will we humble ourselves again and pray for the next phase. We've included on this new list a new building. Psalm 127, verse 1, unless the Lord builds the house, the workers, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects the city, guarding it with centuries will do no good. It has to be him. It has to be in his strength and his might. With that in mind, a few weeks ago, we asked if you would be willing at 9 p.m. on a Sunday night Again, not to constrict or limit you to a time, but if we don't have an intentional moment, sometimes we don't do anything. But we said, what would it be if we were to get on our knees at 9pm on a Sunday night and pray for a physical building for this church and also for churches to be planted? You, again, you don't have to be on your knees, but I actually think there's something remarkably powerful and profound when we do get on our knees and we humble ourselves before the Lord. Again, I would encourage you, if you have children, involve your children in it. You might not be able to do it at nine, but shift the time. Do it with them. This, this isn't a building for the building's sake. 
But I think we're starting to be constrained by a lack of a building and we long to facilitate ministry and all that the Lord wants to do among us and like with 422, we want it to be him. I don't want this to be our good idea. I want this to be him and we know that we long to show and to share Jesus more widely than just here. We long to see churches planted and we're part of a church planting movement, the vineyard. I long to see healthy churches planted all across this country and further afield. And many of us have been part of this church because this church was planted and some of us need a church to be part of, to come alive and be activated and a place to call home. And if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and will seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and restore their land. My eyes will be open and my ears will be attentive to every prayer made in this place. For I've chosen this temple and set it apart to be holy a place where my name will be honoured forever and I will watch over it for it's dear to my heart. Would that be us? Would we step into that place of longing and hunger and desperation for the Lord to meet with us in a way like that? Why don't don't we stand together and do exactly that? Some of you will be new in the room, first time in the room. We're just going to spend a moment waiting on the Holy Spirit. might help you just close your eyes or remove the distractions of others around you. Lord, our prayer is just the simple prayer of those who have walked before us. We say, come Holy Spirit. Lord meets us in many ways some of you right now you can see you have an increasing awareness even physically we experience the presence of God some of you it will just be a deep inner peace Lord we welcome you
I don't want to be dramatic, but I feel like for some of you, you just know you can't walk out of here the way you walked in. Moments like this, they're really quite significant in changing us. There's a repentance, a turning, a consecration, a coming into alignment with what the Lord has. There's a humbling, there's a throwing ourselves afresh before him. There's a stirring of a longing and desperation. like there'll just be a few waves of what the Lord wants to do but some of you, you you cannot not respond to that it's almost there's just a quickening of your heart and a desire to say well I'm I'm throwing myself in this is a different this is a gear shift step change moment for me Some of you will, um, you'll feel that physically. It's not that it's the only way, but some of you will have a, like, it's not like a weight comes onto you. And a, must, uh, some of you will be like a physical agitation or a quickening of your heart. You just, you, uh, uh, like um, a sensation in your hands. You just know, hang on, this is, this, this need, this involves me. And just while we're, while we're stood and it's easier to get out of the rows, why don't you just come forward now and some people will pray over you and for you. Thanks for listening. To find out more, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description.